This is a Bold Babes podcast. Why did I create the Bold Babe show? Honestly, because I was tired of hearing underdog stories from top dogs. You know, there's so much inspiration to be found when we just turn and look to the woman that's next door to us. The woman that is making impact in her local community. The woman that is fighting for the people in her hometown. I wanted to highlight those stories because honestly, they deserve to be told. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of The Bold Babe Show. Okay, so I cannot say that I haven't been here before (laughs) because I actually met this guest through another guest that you have probably heard if you have been following along with the show so far. And I am really excited uh, to be back in this super zen place. (laughs) It's a very, very, very beautiful office. So I am at AP Counseling and Yoga, and I am actually sitting next to AP herself, <laughs> Miss Angela Pryor. I am excited about diving into today, into today's conversation because we managed to have a pretty good one before we got on air. So hopefully we can recapture just a little bit of that magic. But without further ado, I'm going to hand over the mic to Miss Angela. Hi, everyone. Um, so I'm Angela Pryor. I am um, kind of have a lot of different hats. So I am a clinical social worker and I do individual therapy, but I'm also a registered yoga teacher. And from that kind of birthed AP Counseling and Yoga. So um, what we are is we are a counseling and therapeutic yoga center that intersects accessible and trauma-informed yoga and holistic alternative healing um, that can be a really great support or addition to anyone who's wanting to focus or spend some time improving their mental health Um, and that and I talk about mental health in a lot of different ways um, and it's less about maybe what you see on the news or TV and more about the fact that we all have a brain so I think anyone and everyone can benefit from spending some time on wanting to take care of their mental health just like they might do their physical health. Obviously, this work is not for the faint at heart. (laughs) And I kind of want to understand what drew you to the mental health Mm -hmm. industry. Um, I know that especially now, almost everyone I know is a coach. And Mm -hmm. that definitely is a different Mm -hmm. kind of way of working with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, It can dip into mental health, um, but it is different. So Mm -hmm. I want to understand, A, why you got into the mental health industry, Mm -hmm. and B, what separates you from Mm -hmm. other practitioners Mm -hmm. like a coach. I declared as a social work major from the very beginning as a freshman. It's actually kind of a, I don't know, funny story. So I was going to be a teacher. I actually had always thought I'd be a drama teacher. I was really into theater in high school. And I was on my university's campus and we were walking. It was, I think it was orientation day or something. It was before school started, but we were signing up for classes and I'm like walking towards my like the education department to register and we're passing the social work department and I went hmm I wonder if anyone's there and I went and I knocked on the door and the director answered 
And I said, I want to know more about this. And the rest is history um, as far as how that got started. Now, I do have a personal story that I always knew what social work was. My grandmother was raised in foster care in the 1940s. So you can imagine what that was like. It's a lot more like an old school orphanage kind of idea. Um, and she ran away a lot. And she had a social worker. And this is something that would never happen today. But her social worker actually took her into her own home. And my father knew her as his grandmother. Is amazing. Wow. Okay. So... To the second part mm-hmm. of the question. So what separates you from different pe- practitioners mm-hmm. that um, people, like I guess, are more learning about, mm-hmm. like, coaches yeah. or um, consultants, specialists, mm-hmm. therapists, things yeah. like that? So one thing about being, um, like, a mental health therapist, I am licensed. So I have a undergrad degree in social work and a minor in psychology. And then I also have a master's degree in social work. Um, and then from there, I've had to sit for different licensure boards. Um, and I have I have the highest level of licensure that you can have for my field, which also then required multiple years of supervision and almost like our version of a residency, kind of, if you think about that. Um, and from there, one of the biggest things is the work that I do with clients is we look forward but we also will look backwards um and we'll explore you know things that maybe happened in childhood um things that happened throughout their generations and their families so generational trauma oppression um and then we're also looking at what's going on in their life right now and then where they would like to get to generally speaking coaching usually from my understanding is focused more on where you're trying to go um and spending less time in traumas and past um pain and hurt and a lot of the work that I do is embracing feelings so all of them the good the really uncomfortable and learning how to move through those in a really helpful productive kind of way to you know I think our stories are always evolving and um, maybe there was a lot of pain in the past, but that doesn't mean that it has to control where your future's going. I don't know who needs to hear this, but girl, you're wasting your time, money, and tax benefits on not being a homeowner. At Real Estate with Shalia, we make your dreams come true. We provide a luxury experience at every price point. No property is too big or too small. Our services include credit repair, property management, and home staging. City and state don't matter. Our referral network is nationwide. Go to www.shaliascarborough.com to sign up for your free Millennial Home Buying Guide. Yes, get this totally free home buying guide for millennial women just like you by visiting www.shaliascarborough.com www.shleahshcarborough.com Definitely something good to know as I think people become more understanding of the different facets of mental health mm-hmm. and 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 
who we need to go to to help mm-hmm. us out with what. Um, just because I feel like it's definitely still new, the the mm-hmm. cool idea of mental health, and mm-hmm. it can definitely blend in with other terms like self care. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely a buzzword. So I I kind of want to talk about buzzwords a mm-hmm. little bit and um kind of breaking them down. Mm-hmm. So. What do you feel like is more so like a buzzword in something that's a, a concept that's here to say? Like self-care, we we agreed is mm-hmm. is is a buzzword, but is it a, a true concept that is is good for us, something mm-hmm. that we should implement? Um, and also other things um, that kind of go into that mental health thing, like mo- mindfulness. I know mm-hmm. we were talking about that, too. And I think that that's a, a, a new concept to others as mm-hmm. well and become more popularized, maybe more so in Western um, societies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of want to explore that a little mm-hmm. bit with you. Yeah. So so when I think about self-care or I talk about self-care, um, I think there's an important distinction to be made. And this actually was something that came up in a session many years ago. And I still think it's so true that it's not just like face masks and bath bombs, Mm -hmm. um, but it can be those things, but it's also more than that. It's all encompassing. So one of the definitions I like to use for self-care is that it's really anything that we're doing that promotes emotional, mental, physical, or spiritual health, um, which is essentially the soul of who we are, like our beings. Um, so it can it can look like pampering. It can look like needing to take a bubble bath or um, go to the spa or things like that. But some of those those things are also not accessible for everyone um and they're also not all encompassing you know like they might be focused or hitting one part of health you know just like going for a run or doing um any kind of physical activity might just hit one aspect of health so i think when we step back and we look at self-care as a way to include our emotional mental and spiritual health that's when we kind of move into this space that i think will be everlasting where it won't just be a pitch or um yeah like like that buzzword kind of thing that catches people's attention and speaking of words Mm -hmm. i you said one word that Mm -hmm. is extremely important to Mm -hmm. me and it's accessibility yeah and more uh more specifically Mm -hmm. mental health and the accessibility of Mm -hmm. getting help in in mental health so i know that that's obviously not something that everyone can do Mm -hmm. and i think that they're starting to become this underground movement of people helping themselves with Mm -hmm. mental health how far can someone help themselves when it comes to their mental health Mm -hmm. and what point in your personal opinion Mm -hmm. do they need to be able to access Mm -hmm. um, a professional so i mean accessibility with mental health care is i think i mean i think that's something that we actually should probably be talking about regularly in these political debates that are happening right now right um because it's it's a giant problem so i've been a social worker for a licensed 
social worker for 11 years. I've been post-grad for 10 years. And I think like the divide is becoming even bigger. Like I see it um, even just within, you know, our local area of Dallas. And I think that's a massive problem. Um, It's something like I take one insurance because I'm trying to maintain accessibility. Um, But it's hard, you know, like on my side, I do take a pay cut for every insurance clients I take, um, which is significant, which makes it also like inaccessible for therapists to take insurance panels. And then we haven't even talked about folks not being on insurance, like not having insurance and not having accessibility that way. Or, you know, we're in a major metro area. So there's like a plethora of therapists here, but in rural Texas, that's not the case. Um, so coming back to kind of what you mentioned with you know, can people help, like, where's the line between maybe when you need to reach out? So I think we all can take care of our mental health to some degree, right? Like, it's no different than our physical health in that sense that we maybe make sure that we're drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, um, moving our body to a degree that feels right for us. We go get regular checkups at the doctor. Um, I don't think mental health should be any different. Like there are obviously the things like getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, um, maybe adding in meditation or mindfulness school skills, which we know from all of our lovely technology and MRIs does actually change your brain. It changes gray matter. Um, and it has a profound effect on how our brain is functioning. Um, but then that being said, there does come a point where maybe that's just not enough or you're needing medication or, you know, sometimes I even say sometimes we need medication to meditate. It's not one or the other. Sometimes they work really beautifully together. Um, if you're experiencing, I guess, the same sort of like barriers over and over again, the same kind of mental obsessions or intrusion or anxiety panic attacks not wanting to go to work in the morning crying on your way to work not wanting to do anything wanting just to like isolate not be engaged with your support system if you don't have the energy to even try to take a shower or drink water or do these things that maybe would be good for you then absolutely you need to reach out I also think that we all can use a mental health tune up from time to time and there you know I think that there's still a lot of stigma around it I think that's probably one of the biggest barriers to some degree is just the stigma and then being able to find providers in your area that you can afford is probably the next millennial women deserve to have their voices heard which is why we created bold babes radio Our unique podcast network consists of an engaging lineup of show topics which serve our audience of young women between the ages of 21 and 35. We know what matters to you. From health to pop culture, we have a show for that. Visit us online at www.bullbabes.co to view our full show lineup, listen in, and subscribe. Going from a very macro Mm -hmm. aspect of what you think you're going to do Mm -hmm. in the world to kind of transitioning Mm -hmm. into a more micro Mm -hmm. position on the matter. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that you've kind of always had a a heart for Mm -hmm. service, and I know you said that you were wanting to be a lobbyist in the mental health field, Uh which is 
huge. Like, yeah. I think that that's probably the most macro you can get yeah. outside uh-huh. of being, like, a president uh-huh. or something. Yeah. Um, and I used to live in D.C., and all my friends worked on Capitol Hill. And so, you know, mm-hmm. they were all aspiring lobbyists mm-hmm. or wanting to be in the mm-hmm. political arena. And obviously, you're not doing that yeah. now. What made you make that mm-hmm. transition? How did you be okay with that? How did you go from such a macro mm-hmm. way of thinking to understanding that yes you're still in the game but Mm -hmm. in a more centralized Mm -hmm. way yeah so my master's is a master's in social work and I have a focus on policy social policy administration from Ohio State I graduated grad school in 2010 so some of this the economy made choices for me so I graduated in the middle of the recession um and when I was graduating I mean, at some point in that year, there was, like, a front-page newspaper for the Columbus Dispatch that said, like, I mean, a couple hundred state employees were getting laid off, which, you know, someone who's thinking that they're going to go into lobby work or working for, like, a state agency or something like that, that was pretty, like, whoa, okay. Um, So I graduated, and I couldn't get a job. I tried for... Like three or four months and I went on like an insane amount of interviews like 30 some plus interviews most of the time the feedback I was getting was well we decided to go with the person who has 20 to 30 years of experience who just lost her job so that was who we were brand new you know no experience like I was trying to get like even just like entry level outreach level jobs it was really stressful it was really tough um so I actually got my first job I got was in working in foster care, which was something that I never thought I was going to do. And I did. And it was really, really hard. Um, I then transitioned into working primarily with adults from that time. And from there, I just I I kept I was like, hey, I want to do outreach works. So I want to get like coordinator jobs. And I did. I, you know, I worked as a, like a coordinator, an admissions coordinator for a rehab center, nonprofit private and state funded um serving a indigent population in atlanta um it was a great experience great job i was still pretty micro um and i would apply for other jobs and they just weren't coming across like just kind of wasn't what was being presented to me with opportunities um and i knew that i wanted to get my clinical licensure just to have that to help open doors because a lot of doors were being shut to me without it which is really good on the individual level and um, I did a lot of group therapy. I did individual therapy. I, you know, I did crisis work here in Dallas. I worked in emergency rooms. Um, I worked at UT Southwestern in their employee assistance program. Um, I was even working on trying to get a physician mind-body wellness program off the ground there. So I've done like some, a little like mezzo type of work, I guess. But I just, my life just did not take me to Washington. And that was hard. I mean, there were definitely times where I was like, I feel, and even now where I'm like, I want to do bigger things. But then I'm like, I am doing bigger things. And then I have moments with clients where they tell me that they, you know, maybe they're, they've taken skills and tools here and they've applied them in their jobs with, you know, their families, with their kids. And I'm like, I mean, I'm affecting an entire group of people that I've never even met. So you know, I think there's always, there's a, I think that's also within like our generation to want to really do big things. And I think it's about how we frame what big things are. 
that's what this show is about, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about getting like the biggest and baddest names in business. I don't know. I think it's reframing what you feel like is inspiration to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I am so inspired just hearing you say that. You say that, you know, I did have this big, humongous dream for myself and I changed it around I transitioned it Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that it's not Mm -hmm. still a big dream Mm -hmm. it's just different and I think it's something that our generation millennials Mm -hmm. um it's gonna happen to us in life Mm -hmm. it I feel like it's bound to happen to Mm -hmm. us in life but I think that that kind of framing Mm -hmm. is is what is going to separate the ones that are successful and Mm -hmm. the ones that aren't so successful because it's all perspective yeah exactly and you know like I own my own business I have like I have six full I have six regular teachers that teach for me I have an administrative assistant and I have three other sub teachers you know so and they're all women and I employ them Okay, so I want to switch things up a little bit mm-hmm. and talk a little bit about the city that we are in. Yeah. Now, speaking about your education mm-hmm. experience, it's obvious that you're not from Dallas, correct? No. Okay, so what brought you here? Yeah, so I am raised in Ohio, not born. I'm born in Indiana, from the Midwest, but I'm from Ohio. I did school um, in Ohio. I went to grad school at The Ohio State University. I am a Buckeye. And I actually met my husband when we were in grad school. Um, And his job has actually moved us kind of around. So we ended up in Dallas because his job brought us here. There's really no other reason. I still have moments when I'm on the highway and I see the Texas flag and I'm like, whoa, I live in Texas. And not like I love it here, actually. But um, it's just like if you would have asked me 10 years ago if I would have lived in Texas, I would have been like, what? No, maybe California. Like, literally, that's the story of my life. I'm like, how am I still here? But anyways, <laughs> it's obvious that it uh, is meant to be, or else I wouldn't be sitting here talking yeah. to you. Okay, so why mm-hmm. did you start your business here? Mm-hmm. Is it just because you knew you were going to be stationary, stationed here? Or? I mean, this is where we live. Um, We've been here for seven years now, so it's a long time. Um, I do very much feel like this is my community. Um, I feel way more connected to this area than even back where I grew up. And I, yeah, like I wanted to, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, And that's evolved. But I knew that I wanted to be my own private practice. I got really tired of just some of the systematic issues within the, you know, mental health and healthcare industry. So I was like, I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm super frustrated. And I did. And it's just sort of blossomed and grown. And we are definitely, I live on the east side of Dallas. We're definitely like Lakewood, East Dallas located. Yeah, it's the community. I definitely see clients from all around DFW and Austin, actually, virtually, and other parts of Texas, which is pretty cool. So virtual makes things accessible as well. So if you live in a tiny town, but you're like, wow, I'd really love to work with someone. And they're like halfway across the state. Might just reach out to them. They might. I might just be able to work with you virtually but I definitely identify you know with like my community that I'm in which is like what in East Dallas I want to know mm-hmm. which women here mm-hmm. in in the city of Dallas have been kind of instrumental to your entrepreneurial journey on a big scale maybe not so much here in Dallas but on a big scale um definitely identified and 
loved everything Wendy Davis was doing when she was, you know, running for governor and everything like that. I've seen her speak a couple times. I always find her super inspirational. Um, and then I find a lot of inspiration just from the women that are in my day-to-day life. And they may not be in business or, um, you know, through my – either as a therapist or my colleagues as well as – um, the teachers that teach here and then also teachers that I've taught with, um, studios that I've worked for. Um, I've always taken a lot of inspiration from the women that I see that are around me that are trying to do their own things to be creative, um, to kind of branch out from what they're told they should do or what they thought that they should do. So I would say it's just more general speaking. That's awesome because I think it's it's definitely different from the answers that I've usually gotten. I, I think it's cool. Um, I just want to thank you so much yeah. for opening up this conversation. I mm-hmm. think that it's been really insightful for me and I think it's going to really inspire a lot of people. So thank you again yeah. for sharing your heart with us today. Wow. Well, thank you for letting me. Guys, if you enjoyed Angela's episode, then I encourage you to like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well as subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast as well as like, you know, leave a little review or something. We need to know how good we're doing over here. Um, Thank you again for listening and supporting Bold Babes. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. You've made them notice you on social media. Now it's time to convert. Hey, girl boss, we see you working hard getting those engagement numbers up each day. But we also know that's not enough. Pretty pictures, inspiring captions, and consistent branding has made your follower count grow. But those numbers definitely aren't identical to your bank account. You deserve to see the fruits of your labor. You deserve to have your business be a household name. You deserve to finally convert your followers into customers. This can all be achieved through podcast advertising. Place your business on a worldwide platform. Sign up to receive our free podcast advertising guide by visiting us online at www.bullbabes.co. Again, that's www.bullbabes.co.